0: Welcome to Funeral Directors Chat where funeral professionals discuss industry topics, trends, and news. And now your host, Nancy Bourbon.
1: Hi, I'm Nancy Bourbon, your host of Funeral Directors Chat, a podcast providing funeral professionals with insight to current industry topics, news, and trends. As you all know, I love to talk about cremation and many funeral directors ask me, how can I increase my revenues when I get a direct cremation? And so that's one of the topics we're going to chat about today. We're going to chat about Living Reef Memorial. It's an artificial reef, and you can increase your revenues with this and your cremation offerings. So we're going to speak with Robert Sardi today. He's a friend of mine, and he's CEO of Living Reef Memorial. He's also head of the Sea Turtle Rescue Organization, And while there are a few other organizations that actually do artificial reefs or cremation, uh, Robert's organization actually donates their proceeds to the Sea Turtle uh, Rescue Organization, which I personally feel is really, it's it's a win-win situation. How can you go wrong? So I'd like to, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Robert today. Welcome, Robert.
0: Hi, welcome, and thank you for having me on.
1: Thank you for joining me. So I'm going to get to the basics because I think a lot of funeral directors may not know what a reef is, especially an artificial reef. So as a biologist, which you are, can you, in layman terms, basically chat about what an artificial reef actually is?
0: Absolutely. And that's an excellent question. Uh, Many people don't even understand the concept or what an artificial reef is. And very simply, an artificial reef is a structure where many species of marine life reside, and in our case, we design our reefs to mimic habitat of very specific species of marine life, typically those that have been impacted by humans either directly or indirectly.
1: That's a great definition, and we know that there are a lot of natural living reefs. What is the purpose of an artificial reef, and why do we actually need artificial reefs? Aren't there many natural reefs that already exist in nature?
0: There are. You're absolutely right, and that's a great question. I like to make the analogy of a farm, a regular farm. And if I'm this farmer and I want to increase the productivity of my farm, I really need to employ technology in order to increase the productivity. And in the case of the oceans, what we have is a great demand for the fish stocks that we consume and that demand will continue to rise as populations increase. And in coastal regions where we have seen a great reduction in the fish counts uh, and an increased rates of the species' extinctions, it's vital for us to restore some of those ailing fish stocks, uh, reduce the species' extinction rates, and enhance the marine biodiversity. And so the question was, why are these important? Well, they're important because we take, take, take from the sea and we don't give back. And we really need to increase the productivity of, A, our local coastal communities where the majority of the fishing occurs. And to increase the overall biological productivity of our oceans by placing these artificial reefs in areas where the biodiversity is very low. For example, if you were to look at our land, you would notice that we have deserts and mountains and great plains and everything. And it is very similar to the ocean in that there are great plains and great deserts. And the deserts don't really have a lot of biodiversity. If we were to deploy one of these artificial reefs in one of these um, areas, what we'll find very shortly is that it will become a very biologically prolific reef and it will attract many other fish. And what we'll find is that that little area that we place that reef in is now so much more biologically uh, productive than the local areas where they don't have a lot of biodiversity.
1: Very interesting. Um, Can you give us an example?
0: Well, for example, uh, the spiny lobster. Everyone loves to eat lobster. And as a result, uh, there's a great demand for that particular species. And so uh, we're finding that the fish counts, uh, the counts for the lobsters are diminishing. The, The sizes of the catches are diminishing. And that is a direct result of human consumption. And so what we've done is designed our reefs to mimic habitat of this very specific species. And the reason for that is twofold the first being that we know that we consume a lot of lobster so we need more lobsters to augment that consumption and to balance out our ecosystems and equally as important is if we have a uh, spiny lobsters like to eat sea urchins uh it was widely uh widely thought that lobsters were only scavengers but that in fact is not the case they do eat live live uh Marine life. And so one of their prey items is the urchins. Now, urchins love to eat uh, the bottoms of the brown algae that comprise the majority of our kelp forests here on the West Coast. And so we're finding that we have an imbalance and our kelp forests are declining. And as a result, we're finding that these, well, these kelp forests are a natural nursery and habitat for many commercial and non-commercial species of marine life. So we're really, by, by overfishing the lobster, we are in fact uh, impacting many other species. And so these reefs increase the numbers of the lobsters because it is their habitat. It, they are specifically designed just for the lobsters. Uh, We we do it for many other species and we incorporate many species into each reef, but we really would like to target on the species that are impacted and uh, directly or indirectly from human consumption.
1: Very interesting. Now, we, okay, I think you've pretty much established that this is a really wonderful thing to do and we're giving back to the sea. Um, Now, how do you involve cremations with this?
0: Well, in an effort to get as many of these in the water as possible, we found that it it costs quite a lot of money to run our vessels and employ uh, the science and the operating costs and such. So in an effort to fund this particular project, we have decided to charge. And uh, what we do is we go to funeral homes and we'll say, well, listen, we would like to add this to your product line in an effort to not only reduce the uh, species extinction rates, to enhance the marine biodiversity, and to uh, restore our ailing fish stocks, but also to provide you with a product that you didn't have prior to this. Uh, this is a, a green burial solution for the health of our oceans. And I, it, it's gaining great popularity.
1: Yeah, I've, it seems like it is. And... I think the the people who might be interested in in putting their cremains in a living reef would be people who are really attached to the sea. Is that correct?
0: Well, our customer profiles are pretty pretty wide and varied. Uh, From everyone from yachtsmen and sailors to scuba divers and fishermen, regional people just love the ocean. Um, But there are many others as well. For example. People really seem to like the idea that their loved one is in a permanent location. And more importantly, there is no economic motivation to remove, destroy, molest, vandalize their loved one's resting place. And in this particular case, there is every economic motivation to not disturb the reef and allow it to continue to be biologically productive.
1: Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I am a big proponent of sea scattering, but this seems like it takes it to another extreme because when you, um, when you s- scatter uh, remains at sea, you they just go into the ocean. You really don't know where they go. Um, but when you actually place them in a living memorial, you know where they are. I mean, is there some kind of a GPS system or something where you actually know where your loved ones are interred?
0: Absolutely. Um, when we received the cremains, we employ a positive chain of custody. So at each step of the process, everyone knows where the cremains are. And when, it, when the reef is finally constructed and deployed into the sea, it is marked with the latitude and longitude with GPS. Um, in addition to that, we mark the tide, the time it was, uh, the reef was deployed and some celestial navigation data that most people wouldn't understand anyway. It's really not vital, but it is simply um, a redundant system for locating uh, the reef uh, later on. GPS will be around for a long time, but if it ever does go away, we always have our stars to look at.
1: That's true. Now, I would assume that a lot of environmentalists would be interested in um, placing their cremains in a living reef, and people who are just eco-friendly and into the whole concept of green burials. That's right. Um, now, Rob, let me ask you this: um, Say we, I, I want to put my mom's um, remains in an urn. Can I still take part of those remains and put it in the living reef?
0: Absolutely. Again, our goals—we are not funeral providers. Our goal is simply to get as many of these reefs in the water as possible. And if you would like to take a part of someone's remains and memorialize them in an artificial reef, we would certainly be happy to accommodate your needs.
1: Well, that sounds like a real win-win situation because then you can actually have part of the remains, um, whether you want to bury them or you want want to keep them in an urn or or some other cremation device, and then part of them can actually be part of the environment and can, as you said, refresh the biological, um, biological landscape.
0: That's exactly right.
1: Now, tell me a little bit about how your company is set up. I know some of the other companies. This is a a multi-billion dollar business, isn't it?
0: Well, it's a nonprofit. So um, when you're typically nonprofits work on a very close margin, and we are (laughs) we're very typical in that regard. Uh, All the money is generated through this sustainable uh, ecological enterprise is transferred to many of our other projects, including, as you mentioned, our sea turtle rescue project, uh, sea turtle rescue.org, where we uh, operate hatcheries and we remove the eggs from the beach or we purchase them from poachers. Uh, we place them into our hatchery We're able to monitor their environment to increase the hatch rates. And typically in the wild, um, due to non-indigenous and indigenous uh, predators, the rates of of successful hatchlings is very, very low. It is extreme. It's dismal. Mm -hmm. And what we're able to do is increase that up to 90% success rate for our hatchings and that's vital because we need more sea turtles in the water and again we're going to go back to the balance of our ecosystems and that sea turtles will eat um jellyfish and jellyfish consume a considerable amount of our fish stocks and now what we're experiencing is uh jellyfish in in greater numbers than ever before and this is a result of their uh uh, the lack of predation consumption uh of of the jellyfish so what we're trying to do is not only save each individual sea turtle but to save the sea turtles from extinction Mm -hmm. really um through education community involvement uh, uh, we compose and publish integrated educational materials for the local schools we put on sea turtle festivals and, of course, we do the open water sea turtle rescues, uh, uh, sea turtles that may have been in peril in some form or another, and uh, the hatchery program where we take the eggs, we secure the eggs, we put them on our own hatchery that's managed, and we're responsible for those the success rates of those hatchlings instead of just letting it be haphazard to local communities that consume turtle eggs
1: Hmm. that's very interesting so basically the difference between the other living reef organizations that are out there that do make quite a profit and yours is that you take the most of the revenues and funnel it through your other nonprofit, which is the sea turtle rescue
0: we take all of the money
1: so that would really i think that would be a very worthwhile thing to do for the funeral director to make that offering to the client families because they're giving all the money back to the environment. As you said, it does take a lot of revenues to actually build these reefs. And so they're actually helping the environment by putting the, their loved ones' cremains in the reefs. And, you know, it's going back to the sea turtles and other worthwhile organizations. So um, how can you go wrong?
0: I would like to also point out that we do not burn consumed petroleum products in our deployment method. Okay. Uh, and we, we operate purely under sail, uh, sail power with sailboats, and it takes quite a lot longer, but we're able to uh, reduce our costs and our consumption rates by utilizing uh, wind power. Mm. And that's that's another big difference uh, between us and, and everyone else. It takes a lot longer. The skill set is, is a lot higher uh, to have competent sailors on board that can deploy these artificial reefs on a pitching deck at sea. Uh, But we feel that to reduce our footprint uh, is vital. And it gives us uh, an opportunity to really validate um, our position on leaving a positive impact and not leaving an ecological debt to the communities in which we serve.
1: That, I and mean, that's very important, I believe, because it's like a living transformation. You're transforming your loved one back into the, uh, into the environment. I,
0: will, I would add, we, we recently uh, deployed a gentleman uh, and the mother had arranged everything. And she had made a very good point in that it was as if he was continuing to help our world, in, even in death. And the transformation from cremains into something that becomes alive um, and full of life was a real positive for her. And she came up to me and she thanked me. She said, you know, this was uh, a positive in a very, very negative situation. And I'm very proud of my son to be a part of the solution instead of part of the problem. And, you know, that really... it, almost, it put a tear in my eye because she got it. She understood mm-hmm. what this was all about. And for me, uh, that's important because this, this gives me purpose.
1: No, it is very important. And a lot of times we speak about direct cremations. And, of course, the funeral services industry is a business. Um, there's no doubt about that. But also there's a large component in which, um, you know, we want to offer a care and compassion. And when people do choose cremation, there needs to some be some kind of meaningful ceremony um around it and this seems like this would actually really be a very appropriate because as you said the the cremains will live on in the sea
0: that's correct in another form and it's a beautiful form
1: now rob let me ask you now that we've established what this is and the significance of it uh what type of reefs do you, are, are there offered? I mean, are there, do, does one person get put in a reef, a whole family, a community, and what is the cost involved? Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely. We have a, a number of different reefs available depending upon uh, the family's needs. And for example, we have the, the living reef, which is our flagship reef. This reef is dedicated to a single individual. And the total cost of this is $3,500. Mm-hmm. We also have the Loving Reef, which is a little smaller and does um, uh, a few different species, but nonetheless uh, still biologically pro- uh, productive. And that's uh, $2,400. And uh, to go on down the list, we have the Forever Together Reef. That is dedicated to people who would like to spend eternity together in death and um, and as a result, two sets of cremains are incorporated into the mix that makes the structure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is 4000 We also have the community reef. And we place up to four sets of cremains in a single reef. Uh, and the price individually for that is 875 In addition to that, we have a homecoming keepsake reef where if the family so desires, we will take... A portion of the same material that was used in the in the manufacturing of the larger reef that was deployed into the sea and we make a miniature version of it uh, it's mounted onto uh, reclaimed hardwoods from old ships we find that that is a, a fitting end to an old ship and that is uh, intended to go home with the families as a keepsake and that's 300
1: Okay, and the uh, funeral director does make some type of a commission on these items?
0: Absolutely. They have to be economically motivated to sell the product. Of course. And so, uh, for example, Living Reef, uh, the commission on that is $500. Okay. Which is fairly substantial in that really all they need to do is present the information to their client. And if the client so desires, they simply pick up a phone call and, and we handle all the rest. So it's really a phone call, and you get five hundred dollars, uh, and so on and so forth with with the rest of the region.
1: Okay. Um, the
0: commission schedules are rather rather handsome.
1: No, and and not only that, but you know, so many funeral directors are looking to distinguish themselves and offer unique offerings. And you know, like you said in the earlier part of the broadcast, they have the videos, they have you know all the traditional things. Um, this would be, for especially for funeral directors that really believe in giving back to the environment, this would be a perfect offering. Um, and the family, if they're of like mind, are going to feel the same way, and they're going to distinguish themselves from the rest of the crowd.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, they're, they're provided uh, with the reefs. Funeral directors are provided with the reefs an opportunity to sell something that they wouldn't have, Prior to this, uh, you know, we have the cremation, we have the funeral, we might have a viewing uh, video and all the other products. And this is one product that will set the final disposition of said cremains in a permanent location that will never be disturbed. And I think that's, that's vital for the families to know that their loved one will never be moved, never be disturbed. And it is truly the ultimate resting place.
1: And it's also the resting place that keeps on giving.
0: That's right. And I think that's one of the big gifts of this entire project is that it allows people to, it gives them an opportunity to really make a difference, even in death. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's vital.
1: And especially when you have very sad circumstances, as often happens when um, someone passes before their time, and you're left with that lingering question, what if... Um, you know, he died too soon. Um, this is a way that you can kind of assuage some of that grief, and it's almost like a grief reef. You can actually um, get involved with one of your projects, and the you have the sense that you know your loved one is still living on.
0: That's right, and I think I think the thing that most people really enjoy. Well, for example, um, on this last deployment, it, it was amazing. Here we had. A very young gentleman, he was 26 years old um, from Iraq, uh, from the Iraqi war. And during the deployment, the mother said, well, son, you always wanted to bulk up. And here she is making jokes at a time when, you know, this. it couldn't be a more tragic situation of a mother losing her son. And here she is making jokes. And that told me right away that we were... This process was alleviating some of the pain that she was experiencing, and for me, that's an added bonus.
1: Oh, it's really beautiful. Now, um, you, where are these? Where are these reefs deployed? Um, could you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, we have uh, several locations currently available. Um, we're permitted to be up the coast of the Los Coronados Islands, up the coast of San Diego, uh, which are. A beautiful set of remote and uninhabited islands. Um, They're obviously not on the islands, but in the waters around them. We also uh, deploy uh, in Belize, which is absolutely gorgeous water, uh, and they obviously need help as well. And then uh, we offer these reefs to be deployed in Nicaragua at our sea turtle rescue facility, so you can eternally swim with sea turtles. And through our project, it is our goal that we will continue to have sea turtles swimming in our seas and coming to our beaches. And I think uh, people really seem to enjoy the idea, of, oh, wow, I get to swim with sea turtles? You know, how how cool is that? It is very cool, very cool.
1: Okay, and you said you had one that you're going to deploy in Tempe, Arizona?
0: Yeah, I got a phone call from the Arizona Department of Fish and Game, and they have um, an artificial lake there, apparently, that – um, the Tempe Town Lake and it's in freshwater and we've really never uh, deployed in freshwater so we're really having to re-engineer our science but as a result what we're what I'd hope to do is find some of the Indian children that uh, didn't have an opportunity to have a proper burial and I've asked the Arizona Department of Fish and Game if it would be okay if we could memorialize these children in these reefs. It's, it's a community effort. And, you know, they were really on board with the idea and I'm very happy and honored that the Arizona department of fish and game would, would give us a call and ask us for help. And, you know, we're more than happy to do that.
1: Right. That's really beautiful. And that's actually how I met you, Robert, with the bury a child foundation, and you offered to uh, put the remains of some of these indigent children in this reef.
0: Absolutely, um, you know, we, because we're in San Diego, we find uh, um, because of the immigration issue and the desperation of those trying to come across, uh, many of them don't make it, many of them drowned, and so we've been in contact with the Mexican government uh, because we are literally right on the border of Mexico and the United States. We interact with the Mexico quite frequently, and they're our partner. And so, we've offered the Mexican government to provide these people with an honorable burial that they wouldn't have had the opportunity to do before. And we also want to be able to do that for in the indigent children who don't have the means to, to, um, we're not in this for the money. That's the thing. Uh, we're in this to get as many reefs in the water as possible. Um, and so this, this gives us an opportunity not only to give back to the environment, but also to humanity. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You have a dual mission to work with the sea turtles and to actually utilize some of the revenues that you get from the reefs to help the sea turtles, but also to help the, the sea life um, perpetuate.
0: Well, we also do terrestrial habitat restoration okay. and pres- and preservation, and uh, that project has been very successful. We've been able to purchase uh, quite a lot of land that was at risk of development in very biologically rich areas, and we work in countries where you know economics seem to always win out over the needs of the environment, and where we find that an area is of great biological value to the scientific and hum- communities and humanity we will depending on our resources we will go in and and straight out buy the land and then we are able to manage it ourselves thus removing the economic motivation for its destruction
1: that's really that's such a worthwhile um, project that you're working on and I think a lot of funeral directors, I think this would give meaning to their work, that they're involved with these projects and they're involved with your uh, nonprofit organizations.
0: Every one of them that's involved seems to really get it. And they want to do something for the environment, but, you know, they're not really boots on the ground. They, they have their own business and, they, and they're busy. And this kind of gives them, this gives them the opportunity to make a difference in their environment while still working Doing what they do mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, allowing us to come into their business and uh, bringing our products with each sale that is made is a benefit to our environment. So in, a, in an essence, it is these funeral directors that are the ones really driving the, this, this concept. And I'm grateful to them.
1: And I'm grateful to you um, for founding this because it's such a worthwhile, it's just, it's such a worthwhile organization. Um, And if funeral directors want more information, Rob, um, they can obviously send a contact through funeral directors chat, but can they get in contact with you personally?
0: Absolutely. Um, We have a 1-800 number, 1-800-569-REAF or 7333. And, uh, they can also go, I invite them to go to the website. It's livingreefmemorial.com. Uh, again, livingreefmemorial.com. And there's a lot of information there on the different products, their prices, how it works, how we construct them, what happens, the process, basically all the information you'll need is right there on the website. But I also, uh, I, I love the interaction. So, please feel free to give me a call at any time. That's 1 800 569 Reef or 7333.
1: And they can also contact you on Facebook.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Living Reef Memorial uh, on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Terrific. Thank you so much for joining me today. I think we've really, I think together we have um, really educated funeral directors on not only how to increase cremation revenues, but also how to make it a a significant impact on the environment.
0: I agree. And thank you for having me on.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Have a wonderful afternoon.
1: Thanks. You too.
0: Ordering cremation urns for your funeral home is easy with unitedpriority.com. Email your client an earn description from our website or receive tier pricing when ordering more than one item. Help your clients find the right earn with UnitedPriority.com.